Good evening, everyone. Wow, we have a packed house. You could, you gotta look around. There's not, there's one empty seat right there. Okay. But there's only a few <laughs> empty seats. Wow, praise God. We have a really high attendance. Uh, my name is Myungwa Choi, like Pastor John Michael introduced me. Uh, I attend New Philadelphia Church. I'm one of the pastors there. So it's my joy and honor to be speaking to you tonight. And I see a lot of visiting people, I think. Who in here is just visiting Korea for like a vacation or short visit? Okay, anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, awesome. All right, let's do this, soul people. <laughs> so John Michael and I didn't talk about it tonight at all. So usually I lead the prayer portion and uh, there is a speaker. But since I was speaking tonight, I asked Pastor John Michael to um, take over the prayer time. And you guys had an awesome time with him, right? But I promise that I did not talk with them beforehand. But a lot of things that I'm going to talk about tonight, Pastor John Michael gave you the summary already. Or should I say preview? So uh, it's, it's really the Holy Spirit. He's really uh, speaking to, I guess, both of us and to you, all of you. So it's going to be a really exciting ride. Um, tonight, I'm going to be, I'm just going to throw out the title to you guys. I'm going to be speaking about prayers of faith. And I know it's kind of a boring title, and if it's on the list of podcasts, you would not want to click on it, because you will feel like you know it already, but I guarantee you, true Christians will listen to it, so I'm not afraid. (laughs) So if you're listening to this on podcast, you're a true Christian. Prayers of faith. If you are taking notes, uh, feel free to. Uh, There's going to be stuff that you want to write down. The prayers of the righteous men are powerful and effective. How many of you believe that? It is in the Bible, and definitely because we believe that we are here at this place on this Saturday night when there is parties going on in Itaewon and Hongdae and Gangnam, we're here in this room praying together, right? So if you were to measure a power, the power of a prayer that you just prayed, or whatever prayer, like a segment of prayer, how would you measure the power of it? Do you think you, you are able to do that? Or how would you do that? What would be your cri- criteria? Uh, is it going to be how loud you are or how many spit you spit out during prayer? <laughs> you know, you soak the mic with your, you know, uh, or the length of the prayer, how long you go for it, or how many times you repeat in Jesus' name in your prayer or declare the phrase in faith, you know, or count how many teardrops has been shed from your eyes, you know, or how many scriptures have you quoted in the prayer? Or many, many other different criteria, but would you be able to really gauge the power of the prayer? So I think we can't. We really can't as human beings. But even though we can't really measure the power of prayer, I think if you, if there is a criteria in heaven, I believe that faith will make it to one of the top criteria. Do you guys agree? You know, the Bible tells us that if you have faith, you will command the mountain to move and even jump into the water and it will, right? So there definitely is no doubt about how powerful faith is in our prayer. But perhaps, perhaps there maybe could be possibly be like a faith meter in heaven that can measure our faith in our prayers. And I wonder, you know, the Bible tells us that there's gold, there are golden bowls of uh, our prayers of saints the prayers of saints they go up to heaven and they fall into these golden bowls so imagine with me but have you guys ever thought about my my prayer so let's say tonight i go home and i pray and that prayer 
the mess of it, the size of it, will it, will it be always the same or would it be different? You guys know, don't think about things like that? I always think about things like that. So I'm thinking that maybe Pastor John Marco's prayer is so full of faith that it's like a size of basketball. Or maybe my prayer is like a size of a ping pong ball. I don't know. You know, maybe size of a bean or like a, I don't know what, what it will be. But I'm thinking like, oh, is it going to be always the same? Is it going to be the same equal size, a communist style, you know, type of, you know? Everyone's praise the same size. I don't know what I'm saying. But, you know, I think about things like that. And I, I really believe that there are different measures of faith. And that's why we need to continue to grow in our faith, especially and apply it to our prayer life. Then what does it mean to pray with faith? And how do I pray with greater measures of faith? So let's start with the definition of faith. So Hebrews 11.1, 1, I almost look at this verse like, a, like a, uh, the dictionary definition. Hebrews 11.1, 1, uh, I'm quoting from NIV. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'm sure many of you have this memorized, but tonight we're going to break this verse down into little pieces and really figure out what this really means, how we could apply this word to our prayer life. So the first portion, the phrase that I want to focus on is this, what we hope for. Everyone say, what we hope for. Hope, according to the dictionary noun, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. But then that's kind of like given, right? But then like the second portion, it says a feeling of trust. And I was kind of like, oh, feeling of trust. So as in like, we believe that it's going to happen. When we use the word hope, we actually believe that it's actually going to happen. So, you know, there's the difference between um, using a, a verb wish and hope. You, guys, you never learn like English grammar, right? You, you only didn't have to. <laughs> but you can learn a thing or two from a Korean native girl here. <laughs> I had to learn English grammar from a book called Long Men's English Grammar or something. Do you guys know? Do you guys use that book as a teacher? That book is great. Okay. <laughs> that book is great. My English came from that book. So that book he taught me when I was young that wish is referring to something that's not going to happen. I wish I could be there, meaning I cannot be there, right? But, oh, I hope to be there. That means I could possibly be there, right? So there is a, the, so wish is impossible. Hope is possible, right? So hope, it, it has a feeling of trust that it's possible. So, for example, when we say, oh, yeah, I'm losing hope, what does that mean? It means that I don't think it's going to happen anymore. I'm losing hope. That means I don't think it's possible anymore. That's what we are implying. That's the notion that we have in it, right? So I'm going to kind of try to work on this, like a definition, like a Myohwa version of this verse, like a paraphrased. You guys are with me. Faith is confidence in what we desire and what we actually believe is going to happen. Easier than this fancy Bible verse, you know, but it means the same thing. Faith is confidence in what we desire and what we actually believe is going to happen. I mean, my question is, if you really think it's not going to happen, why do you pray? If you really don't think that, you shouldn't. You should let it go. So my question is, how big is your hope for the things that we pray for? 
here at JPM. Number one is you got to ask, according to what we just defined, you got to ask how, what do I desire? Because it's about, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's about what you desire. Then you got to ask yourself, what do I really desire? What do I really want? And if you really don't know what to say to that question, it probably means that you have very little interest in that matter. You know, so if I ask someone, one of the sisters in this room that's single, what do you desire in your future husband? Probably I'm going to get like a list of 20 to 139. That's way too many, y'all, okay? <laughs> Some of your sisters, you know, but... You know, if you have a lot of interest in that area, you know what you want, you know what you desire. But if you never think about it, if you never talk about it, if you have no interest in it, you probably wouldn't be able to answer with the clarity. Like, you'll be like, um, let me think about that, you know? So, what do I desire is a question that you got to ask. And if you kind of get stuck there, you got to start with building interest. Let me ask you, how much do you know about the things that we pray here. How much do you think about it? How much do you talk about it? Building interest simply starts with just your surroundings, paying attention to it. You know, Pastor John Michael, he didn't pull off those videos from like some encyclopedia or, you know, like he took them from Facebook, okay, on his newsfeed. Oh, this is the link that's popular on Facebook these days. I watched it on YouTube. And how many of us know how to use YouTube? How many of us have Facebook accounts, you know? So if you pay attention without just scrolling up, without just like skipping over, if you build, if you learn to just build interest, you will learn so much more about it. And because of that, you will build more of desires for these matters. Watch out for apathy. You will want to just skip over. But also complacency is another thing that people so get people get so used to all the status quo that people think that it's not gonna change. It hasn't changed for a long time. So we start to lose hope for any changes. But those are the things that we gotta watch out for. But we gotta definitely continue to think about what do I desire for North Korea? What do I desire for the adoption law? What do I desire for the youth of Korea? We gotta constantly think of these things. But I'm not just trying to limit this to all these um, national topics or uh, the JPM quote-unquote topics, but I also want this sermon to be applicable to your life as well. Uh, if you, if one of your biggest prayer requests is your family, think about it. What do you desire in your family? What do you want to see in your Hagwon kids? You know, so it's not just about up in the air, big topics, but in your daily life, you could definitely apply it to anywhere. And then the second question you got to kind of ask yourself is that, so what do I desire? And then do I really believe it's going to happen? That's another good question to ask yourself. Do I really believe it's possible in God? Is it really possible? And if your answer is kind of like, uh, I'm not sure. I can't say it in a more loving way than this. You got to read your Bible. Really. What I mean by that is when you read your Bible, and kind of rewinding back, if you really don't believe that it's actually possible or it's going to happen, all these things that you desire for, it's merely imagination, right? There's difference between hope in God and just mere imagination. 
anyone could imagine, but only in the Lord we could truly hope for those things. So you're going to ask yourself, is it really going to happen? And by reading Bible, what we end up learning is that history is really in his hands. History is his story, people say, right? So when we read the Israelites and how the world became in creation and everything, we learn that history is really in his hand. We learn that. And also, supernatural things are really natural for God. We learn that. We also learn that miracles is like brushing teeth for God. He does it daily. It's like so easy. I hope that's more than daily, twice or three times a day, right? <laughs> but for God, miracle is such a natural part of his nature. And when we learn all these things, this answer becomes more easier. Yeah, I definitely believe it's happening. You know, if the rest is parted, obviously, revival in my family is happening. You know, you're going to train your mind to really see that, yeah, these things are going to happen. So I hope for it. And still, if you are struggling wrestling with your book, with the Bible, actively seek out testimonies of the saints. And I'm realizing these days that there are so many amazing books out there that I could grab hold of and read and be blessed by. And those are like faith boosters. And also, there are so many interviews and the videos on YouTube are amazing. I didn't know that. You know, we use YouTube to watch, I don't know, music videos and commercials and i don't know the viral videos are out there but if you really search for it there are so many supernatural powerful uh, testimonies of the saints all over the world that i didn't know that existed so definitely take advantage of those things and another thing is share with those who share the same heart for the matter that's very very important so if you uh, are kind of like if you feel like you're losing hope and you're kind of losing interest it's a good way to talk about it with your friends that, have, that share the same interest. And lastly, but not least, uh, attend JPM. I almost said John Michael. <laughs> attend JPM, join prayer meeting. You're going to come out to join prayer meeting every third Saturday, 7 p.m. You know, you're going to come out because what we try to do here is that when, when it's difficult for you to hope for things alone and have faith for it alone, this is a place where we cast vision for you and dream with you guys. So when we even lead prayer, when we share, preach the sermon, it's all about the communion together. Let's build and hope for it together. So if you struggle believing for these things, hoping for these changes, you got to come out to this place and make it a habit, make it a commitment, and that will definitely help you to believe it's totally possible in the Lord. It's gonna happen, you know? And this is a, one of the major um, kind of like revelations that I want to share with you tonight is that um, I want to speak to those who are losing hope because John, oh man, I keep saying John, JPM, <laughs> JPM has been going on over five years and I've been here ever since the first one. Um, and over the past five years, we've been seeing changes, but also we've been seeing areas that it's kind of just stuck and just not coming out, you know. But if you are losing hope in any area in your prayer life, not necessarily related to JPM topics or Korea or anything, but in your personal life as well, I want to speak to you from Romans chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. I'm quoting from ESV, and this hit me recently, and it's been just pouring fuel in my prayer life. So I'm going to share this with you guys. Romans 5, 2 to 5. So ESV says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That sounds amazing. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God 
More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces what? Hope. Wait a second. Isn't it kind of weird, guys? My logic kind of got cut there. It's not logical to me. It's to my mind. Oh, yeah, people suffer, they learn endurance, yes. Through endurance, they learn character, yeah, sure. From character to hope, that's kind of unnatural in my mind. I don't know about you. In, in um, New King James Version, it says this, we also glory in tribulations. And then knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character again, hope. And now hope does not disappoint. That's how it ends. To me, it was kind of a weird chain of thoughts. It was making sense, but at the end, it didn't make any sense to me. But that's what the word of the Lord says. And according to verse 5, to verse 5, I read up to verse uh, 4, actually 3. Let me continue reading here. ESV produces hope, and it goes, Hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So after describing this chain effect, and put, it, it, it tells us that hope does not put us to shame. It's not going to disappoint us. And then it gives us a reason why. Because, tells us a reason, right? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. That's the reason why. So let me make sense of this. You guys are lost, right? As lost as I am, right? So this is, according to verse 5, as long as we stay in the love of God by the Holy Spirit, hope cannot be lost. That's what these Bible verses are telling us. The deception is this. Oftentimes, a lot of young believers, immature believers, uh, they conclude that God doesn't love them when they go through a lot of suffering. God is not with me anymore. He doesn't love me anymore. They take it as an offense and they turn away from the love of God. So that's what they're that's what this verse is saying, that as long as you stay in the uh, place of love given by the Holy Spirit, and you don't fall into this trap of deception, we are bound by hope. We are bound by hope. In fact, what book was it? Ezekiel? Somewhere in the Old Testament, it says that we are prisoners of hope. Prisoners. This prophet calls the Israelites, you are prisoners of hope. You are bound by hope. So, you know, if you look at Verse 2 again, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So when things are good, as long as you stay in the place of love of God, when things are good, man, things are good, we, we, we rejoice in the hope. But when things get difficult, at the end of the chain, you go through lots of suffering, tribulation, endurance, whatever, but at the end, you are bound for hope again. Are you guys following? So... Whether things are good, whether things are tough, the end result is the same. You always end in hope. Stay in the love of God and you will always end in hope. You are bound for hope. I believe this is talking about more than what we are going through, circumstances or anything. This is because, you know, at the end of lots and lots of suffering, think about like North Korean church for a second. They are suffering a lot of persecution. People, believers in Nigeria, they're going through so much suffering, so much persecution. And then from there, 
they build endurance, perseverance. From there, they go to character. And from there, they go to hope. Hope that this is not the end. That the Lord is coming back and his kingdom is coming so that they are bound for the hope of greater things. This is profound word. That's why we can hope in the Lord at all times. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're a prisoner of hope. You guys are abound by hope. So, you know, rejoicing in hope, but then after suffering and endurance, all that, we land in hope as well. So, as prisoners hope, I, this word brought uh, uh, understanding to actually what I was really going through and couldn't figure out couldn't figure out what I was going through. So, I'm making things sound really complicated right now. But let me share about, um, I had this crisis in faith um, in the area of praying for physical healing. So, you feel like we pray for physical healing. We've seen a lot of miraculous healings, and we definitely believe that God is our healer. Um, but my experience was 2011, we had a deaconess, uh, a female deacon that at our church on, on our KM side. And if you go to New Philly, if you've been sticking around, you guys know about this story as well. 2011, we found out that I had personal relationship with her. She was actually working for our KM head pastor. And um, we found out that she came down with brain tumor, and then she was admitted to hospital, and her condition was very critical. So what we heard was that the location was a tumor was very dangerous to the point where they couldn't even think of a surgery. Size of a tumor was very big as well. So, um, you know, she was on the verge of life and death. And we, past Christian and the whole church, started to pray and intercede for her. And after a few months of intense warfare, fasting, and prayer, um, I still remember summer of 2011, there was a Sunday that I preached for the first time in my, in my, in my church. And it was a day of celebration because she came out to church to testify of the healing. She was literally, doctors were saying, you're, you're, you're about to die. The family was getting ready for the funeral. But then she got up and then she came to actually our um, pray, uh, prayer meeting. And then she testified with her own mouth that she encountered God even in the state of coma. Uh, and, and she testified the healing power. She got healed. So she testified, and we rejoiced together. And a few months later, uh, we heard that she, her condition, it, it relapsed. So uh, the tumor started to grow again. In um, early 2012, long story short, after a really tough struggle through pain, she passed away. And... Um, well, what I was going through, because I had so much faith in her healing, guys, I prayed so much for her. I prayed with, I don't know, any faith I could find in me. I, I would pour it over her. And when she got healed and came to testify about how God is our healer, my heart was full of hope, obviously, full of faith. Yeah, God, she got healed. But... This is the mystery part, mystery part that I couldn't understand. When she passed away, guys, there was definitely a season of grieving in my heart. But a few days later, what hit me was 
a new level of faith that I never had for physical healing before. I couldn't believe how much I was believing in the power that God had to heal people from physical, any illness. And I started to burn to pray for people that were ill. I wanted to find people and pray for them. And that continues to this day. But I couldn't figure out, but God, it doesn't make sense in my brain. I don't know what happened to me. Maybe I was traumatized. You know, maybe I'm dealing with some after effects. I don't know. But it doesn't make sense. But that was what I was feeling. And I was speaking with one of the sisters from my church, and she actually shared with me that a few years back, she experienced the same thing. There was a friend of hers, very close friend, and a bunch of friends were praying for him together for years, and the friend ended up passing away. And she said that, but after his passing, my faith for physical healing skyrocketed. It was higher than ever, and I couldn't make sense of it. And I was like, I'm experiencing the same thing. Are we going crazy? But you know what explains that, guys? Romans chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. It explains. I'm not saying I went through all that much suffering or perseverance or anything, but just looking at the season of my life, the couple years, that's exactly what happened, guys. Maybe I didn't start off with hope. I mean, I did, and then I don't know, along the journey, but I landed in hope again because I was bound for hope. After going through all these guys, we always land on hope. We hope in the Lord. Amen? And I can confidently say that hope does not disappoint us. It does not put us to shame. It does not Man, the the faith is powerful. The ability to be able to hope for things beyond what my mind can perceive, it's powerful, guys. Maybe you're thinking that you're losing hope because you're not seeing the results. You're not hearing the awesome reports after a couple weeks of prayer, a couple months of prayer, maybe. Let me tell you, you're still on the journey to the stronger hope than you've ever had. Because you're living by this word, whether you know it or not. Second portion that I want to emphasize from this verse is, we just went through faith is confidence in what we hope for. What we hope for, the power of the hope. And then second portion I want to emphasize is, what we do not see. Everyone say, what we do not see. see. So, this verse I believe, could be seen in two different lights, two different folds. Um, what we do not see is talking about invisible and unseen things. So things not physical, things that are not physical. And I was um, kind of, I remember watching this video about how, have you guys ever done blindfolded walking? Have you ever done that? Was that scary? Were you able to walk fine? Did you scream? You don't have to answer. I know you all did. Um, you know how we are so used to depending on our senses? Without, you know, we don't even realize, but we are so dependent on our sight and our hearing and our uh, senses, just five senses in general. And that's what we know. You know, that's the world, how we perceive the world. And you know how Bible talks about walking by faith and not by sight? And that is actually a very scary thing. But if you don't just limit it to walking by sight, kind of like walk by faith, not by what you know. 
if you kind of put it that way, I, I remember seeing in this video, people were blindfolded and the ear plugged, and also they couldn't, they were not allowed to touch anything. Um, but, you know, taste and smelling doesn't really help you find a way. So, <laughs> but those three things are all limited. And then they were like thrown into this room, like a white, um, like a cell. And there's nothing that could harm them. There's nothing around them. But literally people, young, old, men, women, doesn't matter. They cannot move. They're just paralyzed as if they're like bound to something. They're unable to move because it's so scary. Can't hear anything, can't see anything, can't touch anything. You know, usually when your eyes are closed, you kind of do this. You know, you kind of touch and feel things and then you move, move up. But when you're not able to do that, like people literally get paralyzed because you don't, you're not given any information what kind of circumstances you are put in, you know? So if you think about it, what, we, what you don't see, invisible, unseen things. And also people, you could interpret it as in uh, what we do not see to like before you see anything. So you believe before you see any signs of it, before you see any manifestation of it, before it ever happened, you believe. Because it, it hap- if it happens, who will not believe it, you know? If it's happening in front of your eyes, like, oh, yeah, it's happening. Who will not believe it, you know? So it's like before you see anything, you believe that's what faith is. Well, and then the first thing was when you cannot see it physically, you still believe. That's what faith is. So how could you be sure of what you don't see? It takes seeing in the spirit. Everyone say seeing in the spirit. So it really takes us to see in the spirit to, to walk in faith. So faith is, my, my paraphrase again, assurance about how we can, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. faith is, <laughs> one second, assurance about what we could see only through the spirit, not through the physical eyes, but only through the eyes of the spirit. Some people say eyes of faith, eyes of spirit, whatever you want to call it, but you guys got my point. So but first thing you got to do is, what do I see in the natural? You got to figure that out first. And then you can figure out, what do I see in the spirit? So I was, <laughs> let me take you to Numbers chapter 13. The exact chapter that Pastor John Michael talked about earlier. Numbers chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there. I'm going to read. Multiple verses from that chapter. So this is a chapter where um, before they go into the promised land of Canaan, God speaks to Moses to send out 12 spies into the promised land. And the Israelites are um, going in, 12 spies are going into the land of Canaan, including Joshua and Caleb. And Pastor John Michael gave you the summary earlier, so I'm just going to move on. But after they came back... so. This is what I want to share with you. Verses 27 to 29. So the whole purpose of this trip is to kind of scout out the land. What's out there, how it's like, the buildings, the people, the fruit, the vegetation. To check out everything before they actually possess the land. And in a sense, God is kind of like testing them. So all these spies went in. And this is the portion that I really love. I love reading this. Verse 23. 23 says, They came to the valley of Ashkol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. 
and they carried it on a pole between two of them. So could you imagine how big that poodle was? That cluster of grapes? How big does it have to be for two people to carry it on a pole? And we're talking about men, two men. For two men to carry uh, one cluster of grapes, they must be like really big, right? So the, the land was full of like giants and their food were huge. So they're pretty much really intimidated, right? They are carrying down that grapes and all the reports that they came back. So verse 27, let's read it. And they told him, 27, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey and this is its fruits. Look at this. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So it's saying that all these enemies and all these giants are living in the land. And then, guess who cuts in? Caleb, verse 30. He cuts in and says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. So you guys know that Joshua and Caleb were the ones that brought back the reports of faith. But get this, they saw the exact same land, exact same people, exact same grapes, and they probably tasted the same fruit as well. But then how come their reports are so radically different? You see how what they saw in the natural could be the same, what they see in the spirit could be exactly opposite. They are too large for us. This is really funny. The 10 of them, the spies, the rest of them only saw the things in the natural. And they said, compared to those people, we are like grasshoppers. We're like metugi, a bunch of insects. They're huge. We're, not met, we're no match for them. That's what they said. And then Caleb, on the other hand, in, in chapter 14, he says this, they are our bread. That's what he says. They saw the same thing. And he's saying, yo, they are our food. We got to go eat them. You know, that land is totally ours, and we got to go and take that land. After seeing the exact same thing, these are what they were speaking. Sadly, though, the all Israelites, they were rebelling with the ten of them. Because the two is minority, ten is majority, right? Sadly, all the Israelites, soon after the spies came back, all kind of like sided with the ten that came back with the bad reports. And they were gripped with fear and they were paralyzed. Because they were not able to see what was actually going on in the spirit, but they only heard what was in the natural. Don't you think that we got to play the role of the two in this world? We got to go and give them the report. Actually, things are different. And I think these fruits, I think it's very symbolic too. I'm sure it's literal in a sense, huge grapes, possible, but I also think it's very symbolic and figurative language that it's a fruit of the land that were huge. And it's not talking about good fruit, guys. It's a pagan land, like Pastor John Michael talked about. It's a land of sin. And what kind of fruit comes out out of the land of evil? Fruit is same thing, right? So it's kind of like how these 10 spies are intimidated by just the people, but also the fruit of their sin. Don't we sometimes feel this way when we look at land like North Korea? We look at them, the people there, politics there, the, the fruit of the land there, and we're like, I don't know. You know? But definitely what we, we got to see is according to the eyes of the Spirit. Amen? You know, monthly, I've been leading a prayer at John Prayer Meeting here. 
And I honestly realized that it's so much easier to uh, see the devastation and ruin, lack, sin, darkness, and problems and bad things. Work of the devil is a lot easier to catch with the eyes. It's partly because media is dominantly featuring the wrong things that the government is doing, problems with adoption law, uh, if they ever feature things like that, reality of the human trafficking, uh, problems uh, and like, profanity of the entertainment, they only feature bad things. So as a result, when I search for the resources, it's, most of it is very kind of like hopeless, difficult, you know. So that's why like prayer time becomes like heavier and heavier. It gets darker and darker. But um, yeah, we have to see things in the natural to to give good assessment of what's actually going on. But we must train our eyes to perceive the invisible things as well. How the Holy Spirit is moving and working. Sometimes, a lot of times, it's invisible. He's breaking the ground. It's invisible. And also how the things are coming, but it's yet to pass. So we haven't seen it yet, but we know that we in the spirit can see it. We can perceive it. It's very important for us to see it and also report it to the people. Recently, I was at a conference, and um, um, I met a lot of people that had heart for North Korea, and I met some experts in this area as well. They're ministers. Uh, they are really knowledgeable, honorable men of God. And um, I was very intrigued by what I kind of experienced there. One seminar that I attended, amazing seminar, I gained a lot of wisdom. But then one question that one person from the audience threw, kind of like asked him, and he answered, um, it kind of shocked me. I'm not saying he's wrong or right. I'm not trying to judge him. But what, it, it truly shocked me because the question was, when do you see reunification happening in this peninsula? And the, um, the, the pastor's answer was, maybe never. It was as simple as that. A lot of people think it's closer than ever. A lot of people think, give these positive reports, but it may never happen. According to the history, if you study history of Korea, the real statistics that are out there and then the poll results of what South Koreans want and all the econ econ economy changes that you know, experts are giving, it may never happen. That's what his honest answer was. And then I went to another session, and this, the other person was speaking about the same topic, North Korea. Because of like, security reasons, I can't share much to the mic. But pretty much he was saying how everything for reunification has been set up, even by the evil men, evil politicians in North Korea. And um, he was pretty much saying that we're readier than ever for reunification. God has set up everything in North Korea even for the revival to take place and for all these churches to take over the land. And it, it was so, he was so confident in his speech and he knew a lot of things too. And, you know, he's, he's made lots of trips there too. So um, it was kind of like, I wasn't going to be surprised if North Korea opened up like the day after. Like this, that's how convincing he was to me after hours and hours of a talk. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Because they're probably, both of them are experts. They have relationships, access, different statistics. And what they are seeing in the natural is pretty much exact same.
but how their conclusion was radically different. So I ended up judging him, huh? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that the other person was able to see in the spirit, not just by what was written on the paper, not just by what was shown on the news. Well, at least that's how I felt in my heart, that he was able to see through the lines and see in the, in the spirit of God. And I really learned a powerful thing from the man of God. Uh, and then what he was doing when he was speaking, my heart was just being so stirred up. And I learned a powerful thing from him in my prayer that the worst situation, you know, judge in the natural could be the best situation in the spirit. That's what I learned because that's how he, how much he convinced me. And I started to apply that in every situation and everything that I saw hopeless. I started turning it into the best situation ever for the Holy Spirit to work. You know, when sin abounds, grace also abounds. Isn't that true? And God will turn all things for the good of those who love him. Is that true? Then how, how can I apply that verse in my daily prayer? And that's how I started doing it. Because people in North Korea are so hungry. When they find the bread of life, they will eat them up, right? They will share with their hungry family, relatives, and the villages, right? They are, because they are so hungry. And when they truly find the bread that will not run out on them, bread of Jesus Christ, bread of the word of God, they're going to eat that up. And because people in North Korea have been so indoctrinated, brainwashed to believe the father Kim Il-sung and his faithfulness, when they encounter the true father God, they will run to his arms, I've been looking for you and for your love. And because it's so dark, we talk about, we pray about sex trafficking in this nation a lot. Sex trafficking industry, and when people in the industry see the light, because it's so dark, guys, it's going to shine brighter than ever. And when they see the light, it's going to be like Saul, when he saw the light for the first time, he was blinded by the light and became who? Apostle Paul. And I was thinking, because it's so dark, when, you, when you're in a dark room and then all of a sudden you see a really bright light, you get blinded. That's what's going to happen to these people because they were under darkness for so long. See how I started to turn my prayers, worst situation into best situations. It's a perfect setup. And it's totally fun, to be honest. You know, it's like endless list. I can share more. When Korean church has been, because Korean church has been so dry, we've been seeing, you know, decreasing number. You know, young people are going in church. When the fire of God comes, man, when it's a dry stick of wood and you set that on fire, that's going to burn. That's going to burn. You don't even need like a fuel or anything. It's just going to burn because it's been so dry. Because youth in Korea are so lonely and hurt because of all this bullying and all that stuff going on. When the revelation of Emmanuel God hit them, it will be more powerful than ever to them. That he will never leave me, he will never forsake me. When all these friends left me, man, that's my testimony, guys. It's going to be so powerful. Because the children in this nation are so isolated from their parents, there's such wall between them, and so much pressure coming from the parents. When they encounter the love of the Father God, I don't care what you do, I love you the way you are. When that truth hits these kids, man, it's going to be crazy. They're going to have such strong sonship to God, the Father. Young adults, let's talk about them. They're in such heavy bondage to lust uh, use of porn, we saw those crazy numbers, how Korea is the number one consumer of porn, porns. And 
think about this. When they experience a deliverance ministry, man, it's going to be game over. They're not going to be just set free. They're going to go and set others free. They're going to be the deliverers. Who knows? Maybe there will be like young man missions team to Japan and to America. I don't know. Testifying to all these people. You know, I used to be addicted, but I'm free. So be set free in Jesus' name. I, I, I think about these crazy things, you know? Worst situation, best situation for the Lord. Their testimony is going to be so powerful. The fathers in Korea, they're so busy. They're so burdened. So many of them commit suicide these days. Have you guys heard about Kirogi Appas, Kirogi dads? The, the family, the moms and children are studying abroad, and then dads are left alone in Korea, working their butt off to support them financially. And a lot of them end up committing suicide because they're so lonely. There's no support. So heavily, heavily burdened. When they learn that Jesus came to take away the burden and his yoke is light and easy, man, they are going to run to be yoked to Jesus Christ, not the yoke of this world. These celebrities that we talk about, guys, they're heavenly in sin. They're messed up. Their lives are messed up. That's the only way to put it. But because of their fame, because of their messed up lifestyle right now, when they truly turn around and testify that Jesus is my Lord and they, they live it out through their life change, the testimony will reach thousands and millions of young people, not just in Korea, but all over the world. The Korean wave in Europe, in, in, in North America, in all over Asia, guys, there's a reason for that. And I really believe that what could look like, what can we do about this? Worst situation, best setup for the Lord. But for these things to be perceived, we got to train our eyes to see in the spirit, not just the number of statistics, what we see, what we read on the newspaper, but through all those things, you got to see in the spirit. Let's see the reality, yes, but perceive what you can't see in this, uh, you, what you can see as well through the Spirit of God. Um, last thing from the first. Let me read Hebrews 11.1 1, just to refresh your mind. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. We talked about that. And assurance about what we do not see. Talked about that. Now, I want to emphasize these two words. One is confidence. Everyone say confidence. Two is assurance. Confidence and assurance. These are important. Like I said, without being confident and assured of these things, these are just imaginations. Okay? But when we are certain, when we are unwavering, undoubting, firm, strong, and rooted in these beliefs, that's when the power kicks in. That's when you kind of like kick open the power plant in your mouth. And in your prayer, when you experience, what? All right. But this is kind of like being confident. You know, earlier I shared about the deacon that we pray for and that experience. Sometimes in life, when you walk in this path of faith, sometimes your experience will say otherwise than what you believe. You know, you believe one thing according to the word of God. And then you live life and then you face a situation where it's, it seems completely false. But God, I thought this is what your word says, but then this is my experience says. And you kind of stand at a point where you got to make a decision. What am I going to give more weight to? What am I going to listen to? What am I going to choose to continue to believe? Is it my lack of experience or is it the word of God? 
which one are you going to give the authority to? We all come to that crossroad, and we got to make the decision. And always, please, confident and assurance, choose the word of God. Because word of God never fails. It never disappoints you. It never, it, it's, for, it's eternal. Word of God is eternal. Our experiences are limited. Very, very limited. Being confident and assured, uh, having confidence and assurance in these matters are very, very important. So now I completed my working definition of Myung version of this verse. Faith is not wavering in what we desire and what we think is going to actually happen and not doubting what we see in the spirit. Does it make sense? So much easier. So these are the things that I always want to continue to ask myself to really pray according to God's heart, pray in faith, not just, you know, Lord bless North Korea, bless the people, give them food to eat. Those are awesome guys. I'm glad you guys are at least praying, you know, so much better than nothing. But can we be, how can we make the size of our prayers bigger? You know, how can we fill up the bowl faster? You know, how can I make my prayer count? And I really believe that it's by increasing our level of faith and applying these things in our prayer. And I'm so glad before I share this word, Pastor John Michael did that. He challenged you to, you know, receive God's heart, see how God is praying for these things. And, you know, he did kind of like the perfect preview and set up for this message to go in. And that's how we ought to pray, even without having a leader, holding a mic, pointing at the PowerPoint. But in your prayer closet, just with this one verse in front of you, you guys could totally do it. What do I want to see? What is my desire for this land? What is my desire for the youth of this nation? You guys could do that by yourself. What do I see in the spirit, even though regardless of what I see in the natural what kind of worst situation do I face today? And how can I turn it into the greatest blessing ever in my prayer? What do you want to see in the spirit? And lifting up all these answers to the Lord, that's right there. That's prayers filled with faith. Saints, that's it. That's, that's really simple. That's it. Lifting up all these words to him, answers to these questions, that's what prayers of faith looks like. I'm going to, um, in a moment, I, I want to end this message with giving you guys time to share. And I was going to, it's funny, I was going to give you guys time to receive something from the Lord. And Pastor John Michael, thankfully, did that for me. So I could just skip that, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain why I want, want, want to end tonight with sharing time. I'm going to ask you guys to form groups of three or four, four max though. And I'm going to ask you guys to share about what you saw, what you want to see, what you desire, what do you see in the spirit, all those things. And I want you guys to be wild and honest about what you saw. If you didn't see anything, that's fine. Just just share what you want to see, what you desire in the land, specifically North Korea. Uh, if we have time, I, I'm going to give you guys time to share about something personal as well. But um, importance of sharing and declaring it with your own words. You know, sometimes we receive something, but then we kind of like just keep it inside and just, you know, oh, it's my little treasure in my heart with me and the Lord. And uh, <laughs> that's great and cute. But I think there is so much power when you release it to the wider body of Christ. It's such an encouragement. And I want to share my uh, little testimony from this past summer when I went to the Philippines. And, um, you know, I one of my biggest per personal prayer requests, if you remember, you could pray for that as well, is my uh, family. I'm the only Christian in my family, entire extended family. 
other than one aunt that got saved recently. So my prayer request is my family to come to the Lord, but not just salvation. That's like the basic, okay? I want, especially my mom and dad and my older brother, I want them to be uh, saved and then be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want my parents to actually serve as missionaries in the Philippines, hopefully, <laughs> so I can visit them. I love Philippines. And um, my brother, he's an amazing singer. My brother knows how to sing, man. And I really want him to be saved, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then be a worship leader. And I imagine him leading worship at conferences. Man, he's going to sound so good. Anyways, um, and I share this parts of my um, personal desires for my family. Oh. I shared that in the Philippines when I was uh, preaching about faith, having faith. And all these little kids were sitting there, all these, these moms and grandmas, you know, mixed crowd. And I was preaching and I was connecting with the crowd. And then I ended up sharing, hey, everyone, I'm going to be bringing my family to this church one day. And I said, I'm going to introduce my mom and dad and my brother to you guys one day. And if they come, you, you guys need to welcome them. And, uh, and so in my heart, what was going on was I wanted God to give that little thing that was in my head. I wanted that to be kind of sealed up. You know, so I ended up sharing it with the crowd. And all those little girls and boys and moms and dads, they were like nodding. And they were like, amen, you know, amen. And when they did that. It was sealed in my heart. I can't explain it any better than that. When I declared it, when I just shared it with them, in my heart, it became a done deal. That's how, how it felt. Like, oh, it's a done deal. I'm going to come back here at this very church with my family. And we'll worship the Lord together, you know? So when you share, guys, there is... And when, when people of God agree... That's why I wanted to be in a group setting. You share what you saw. Share it with your brothers and sisters. Let them agree with you and let their power multiply. Let the authority increase in your small group. And I want you guys to pray together at the end. But I want you guys to pray specifically according to how you received and what you received, what you desire to see, and declare it with faith. And I guarantee, guarantee, Prayer the size of basketballs are going up tonight. It's going to look like, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to look beautiful. You know that movie, The Long Hair Girl? What's the movie? It tangled at the end. You know those paper lanterns are floating to the heavens? It's going to kind of look like that. And God's going to be, oh, what's going on in town in Bogandong? You know? What's all these beautiful prayers going up in heaven? Anyways, I want that to look like that. Beautiful scene of faith-filled prayers going up to heaven tonight. So can I get some music, Brock? And uh, I'm going to ask you guys to group up groups of three or four. Let's make that happen quickly. Groups of three or four. You want to turn your chairs. Wait, instruction again. Shh. Instruction again. First of all, I want you guys to share what you guys received earlier when Pastor John Michael gave you a short time to receive from how God is praying for North Korea, the vision, and what you want to see. So if you didn't particularly see anything, don't be shy. Share what you want to see in North Korea. 
be specific, as specific as possible. But I want you guys to be free to express, you know. So uh, share that together and at the end pray together. But take turns and I want you to pray like that. So I'm going to give you guys 17 minutes to do that. Okay? All right, let's go.